0: Welcome to Radio on the Lake presents. I'm your host Caroline Brader Watts. Last year you might have seen a film called The Lighthouse. It starred Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe and was a dark, atmospheric and very disturbing story about two lighthouse keepers. This week's play just might be considered its audio equivalent. It's called Three Skeleton Key. James Poe adapted the radio play from a French short story for the radio series Escape in 1949. It was remounted in 1950 and 1953 by popular demand, and one version starred none other than Vincent Price. Like the aforementioned film, it features a lighthouse and men working in isolated and, one can charitably say, challenging conditions. There is one difference, however, that takes this story to an even more disturbing level. I'll let you discover that aspect for yourself. Here's Three Skeleton Key.
1: Picture this place, a gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete. To the key itself, a bare black rock, 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide. That's at low tide. At high tide, just the lighthouse, rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean and all about it, the churning water. Gray green, scum dappled, warm as soup, and swarming with gigantic bat like devilfish. Great violet schools of Portuguese man of war, and yes, sharks. The big ones, the 15 footers. As if this weren't enough, there was a hot, dank, rotten smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps of the mainland wind that had smelled the slow and frightful death that came one night to this bare black rock set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door and in you went and up yes Up and up and round and round, past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope, casks of whisks and racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds and cartons and cans, and up and up and up, round and round. Oh, over the light store room was a food store room, and over the food store room was the bunk room where the three of us slept, and over the bunk room was a living and cooking room, and over the living and cooking room was the light. She was a beauty. Big steel and bronze baby with a light gleaming through the glass walls all about, bounding, blinding little beams off the big shiny reflectors, glittering and refracting through her lenses. The whole gigantic bulk of her balanced like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of rotary mechanism. She was a sweetheart of a life. And at night, you'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright white eye 360 degrees around the horizon. And you'd lie there watching to see that the feeders kept working, that everything ran right. And it wouldn't be bad the other two fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down and smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind. And it wouldn't be bad about those other two. (laughs) Louis and a goose. What a pair. Louis, he was head man. He was a big fellow from the Basque country. Black beard, little hard black eyes, and a pair of arms that I tell you, those arms were as big round as my legs. Yes. Head man he was, and what word he let go was law. A silent fellow. And although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation, the most I could ever get out of him was... I took up this profession because I don't like people. They'd want to talk too much. It's quiet work, light tending. Let's keep it that way. You, you're getting to be as bad as a goose. I thought maybe for once they'd send me somebody who could keep his mouth shut. That was Louis. When he accused me of being like a goose, I quieted down because a goose was a talkiest man I'd ever met, the talkingest and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, had red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Yes, yes, indeed, played in over two hundred different productions, dear boy, at the Grand Guignol. Oh, but it was monstrous, horrible—the way they used to scare the audience. I, I, I was hated. Yes, yes, they used to throw things and hiss and bare their teeth at me. Finally, it got too bad, and I couldn't stand it any longer. I gave up the theatre. My nerves, you understand. Yes, gave it up completely. I really did couldn't stand it any longer it all started one morning at two thirty. i was on watch lying on the cool stone deck pulling on my pipe staring out of the blackness phosphorescent the comers and the big yellow stars when out of the corner of my eye i noticed something show up for a second something the light had touched far off there it was three master a big one About a half mile off and coming down out of northwest coming straight for us. Now, you must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounded us, and ships kept clear. But this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Louis! Louis! What is it? Ship headed for the reef! Coming right up! I had the glasses out now. I couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sails set, and the foam creaming away under her bow. Her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed her. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with a glare of day. Ship? Where? North, northwest. Light will touch her in a moment. Look at her. She just keeps coming on. Yeah, the squareheads. What is it? What is it? I know what it is. What? The Dutchman! The Flying Dutchman! We did a play about her once. Oh, what a performance. You ghastly galleons, hack-ridden, curse-ridden... Shut up, <laughs> will you? She's turning. Yes. She's luffing. Yes. Sloppy way to come about. She's derelict, that's it. Derelict? Abandoned. Crew left it for some reason or other, but instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind. She'll not run long. Not with those reefs to break her up. Beautiful ship.
0: Now, why would men
1: leave a beautiful ship like that? She didn't ram us, caught some odd gust and went about. We watched her the rest of those black hours, healing and rocking. Pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came. To the sea turned from black to a pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained on her now the ghost and kill the light. Right, chief. He doesn't look so good by daylight. I think she'll ground this time. What? I say, do you think she'll ground this time? This is impossible. Absolutely impossible. What? Here, take my glasses. They're better than yours. All right. What is it you're? I had to focus. And then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with a dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds. No, thousands. No, milk. I don't know. An endless number of enormous rats. See them? Yes, I see them. Now we know why she's derelict. Yes, now we know. What are you two doing? Here, give me a look. Yes, give him the glasses. Take a good look, Chatterbox. Give you something to talk about. Still heading for us. Yes. If she's gonna turn, she better turn soon. Suppose she doesn't? You mean suppose she piles up on the key? It's low tide. Yes, yes it is. Where's all the conversation, a goose, huh? you want the glasses again? Want another look? No. She's still coming on. Go away! Turn, will ya? She's cracking up. Look! On the water! Carpet. They're swimming. Those are ships' rats. Oh, but they're swimming for the rocks. The door below. It's open. Come on. Down we went, racing down the stairs, taking them three and four at a time. Scared? and You bet we were scared. Auguste, you get the windows. Maybe they can climb. We don't know. Right, Chief. But hurry. Hurry. Look. See them? No. Oh, yes, I do. Up at the other end of the rock. Look at them. Millions. They smell us. Here they come. Close the door. Can't. Can't. It, it's stuck. Here, let me... Uh, made it. It was close. One got in. Look, there. Get him! He was as big as a tomcat. Bigger. His eyes were wild and red, his teeth long and sharp and yellow. He went for us, starved and ravenous, and we fought Believe me, I do not exaggerate. It was like fighting a panther. Got him. We better get aloft. As we ran up the winding staircase, we passed the tiny windows at the various levels, and every one was a thick, raving, screaming curtain of brown fur. I was ahead of Louis, and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them. Can't you look at them? The air of the gallery was thick and fetid with the stink of them. The light was dim, brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. We could not see the sky, nothing, nothing but them. Their red eyes, their claws, their wriggling hairy snouts, their teeth, the rats. They screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving and we three, we stood very quietly, very, very quietly in the center of the glass room under our beautiful light. And we waited and what can we do? What can we do? Easy, old man. Take it easy. I, I, I can't. It won't do any good to stand here and shake. Anybody want a cigarette?
0: Yes. Yes, I'll, I'll have one. Thank you.
1: Good. Here's a light. <laughs> they don't like fire, do they? Guess not. <laughs> Give me another match. You don't like that, much. <laughs> Turn the lights on.
0: Rile them, Auguste. Give me some more matches. I'll strike them and strike them and strike them until they get scared to go away. They won't
1: go away. Not until...
0: Finish. Not until what?
1: Not until they've been fed. You can just take so much horror and then you get used to it. They were interesting to watch, you know. They couldn't understand the glass. They could see us and they could rush at us, but that thin invisible barrier held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats down there, swarming brown velvet in a bright tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise. If only it drowned some of them. Shh, ship's rats don't drown. No, sir, you cannot drown one of them. They're all climbing up the tower. Around us is getting thicker. Yeah. Say, what's the time? Quarter six. We've got first watch. Sir. Right. Wake me at ten. I will. Come along, August. It was getting dark. One side of the room was lit in a soft, filtered red sunset through the rats. Oh, very pretty. I set the weights, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamp. It caught them. I them in their gigantic, wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes. And then I started the rotary motor. The <laughs> light drove them mad as she swung slowly and smoothly about. It blinded them in a fierce, stabbing bar of light, moving continually about, ever turning, ever touching, ever moving around and around. And they and stuttering, eyes flaming when they were struck by the light, a bright light moving and behind on the dark side of the room, so close, so close I dared not turn my back, you cannot help turning your back when you're a room made of glass, on the dark side of the room you could not see them, only their eyes, thousands of points of blank red light blinking and twinkling like the stars of hell. Louis relieved me at ten, but I didn't get much sleep that night, and when I came up into the gallery early next morning, there stood August, his back to me. He was bowing to the rats, waving his arms and making a speech.
0: I'm going to play once
1: again the magnificent role which made me the toast of the Paris theater. I stood, staring at him, horror-struck. But he didn't notice me. The man had gone mad. He kept turning, telling his stories to all the rats, leaving no one out. A goose! A goose! Another one. A late comer. Uh, take a seat on the aisle, dear patron. A goose, stop it. And move over there. Let the gentleman be seated. He went on, bowing and scraping to the rats, his big blue eyes rolling and winking. I grabbed him by the arm, slapped his face. A few hours later, he came back up and caught Louis and me easing the rats. Yes. Sounds horrible? It was fun. <laughs> we would get right up against the glass and make faces at them. It drove them crazy. They would scratch away, trying to get at our eyes. And Louis was even cuter about it. He'd pull a piece of bread out of his pocket and press it against the glass. The rats would scramble into a solid ball, biting each other, dustering like grapes. And from time to time, a whole knot of them would slip and fall the 110 feet to the surf below. Look at the sharks! (laughs) They're eating them. Yes, the sharks are Here, here, I'll get another bunch together. (laughs) Here, my beauties, that's it. Kill each other. (laughs) There they go! (laughs) (laughs) A goose joined in, too. Oh, very ingenious a goose. He learned that if he spread eagle himself across the glass... He they bounce and bundle against his figure, and then he leaped back, put my portrait in rats <laughs> It went on all day. And then I was lying in bed. It was about midnight. I was very tired, and I was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I became conscious of a new sound. Couldn't figure it at first. I got up, lit the lamp, and went to the window. Even as I looked at it, I saw one of the panes begin to sag in. They'd eaten the wood away. Louis! Louis, come quick! They found a way in. I held the glass with my hand. Now, they were all going crazy, and assured of the success of this maneuver, they were all nibbling away at the wood. Louis ran below and then returned with a large sheet of tin. We split it against the window and hammered it into place. Even as we did so, we felt the heavy body studding against the other side as the window gave way. gotta hold. If it doesn't, we're done for. Rats can't eat tin. No, they can't. What was that? I don't know. It came from below. The storeroom window. They're in. They're swarming up the stairs. Drop the trap. Right. Two of them got in.
0: Let's go after them.
1: We didn't have to go after them. They came at us. I leaped to one side and grabbed the marlin spikes, swung and smashed one in midair. I whirled to see Louis with the other. It had ripped his hand open and the blood was pouring all over the place. He held his hand aloft and kicked the snarling wrap. I stepped and swung and got him. Uh, my hand. I'll give you something to tie that up. Blood. Look at it, my blood. I'm bleeding. Don't worry about it, Louis. Here, look. I'll wind this kerchief around it. It'll be okay.
0: Blood.
1: Now there, not bad. Then I became conscious of another new sound. They were gnawing their way to the wooden trap door. I watched the wood, fascinated. And even as I did, it began to give way. And a bristling, whiskery nose showed through. Louie, we gotta go up. Next level was living quarters in the kitchen. I slammed the trap door there too. But it too was wood. What... What are we, what are we gonna do? I don't know. They'll be through this one in a minute The gallery, the trap door in the gallery is metal Good, come on We made it We lay across the trapdoor, exhausted While below us, the rats took over the entire tower I could hear them howling and fighting over our food supply Our water, our leather And all about us, the others screamed and glared in at us swayed in a tangled mass, hypnotized by the ever-turning light. By morning, the air in the little room was horrible. Until now, we'd been getting air from the tower below, but now that that was sealed off, so was all our food and water, we lay exhausted, panting, waiting, waiting. The hours crawled on, crawled. I was almost dozing from fatigue when I saw a sight that brought me to fast. <laughs> Would you like to come in, my beauty? Would you? <laughs> I hold the powers of life and death, and I can let you in. A goose was standing by the glass, and in one hand he held a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> he was tapping the glass gently. not quite hard enough to break it, but I eased myself to my feet and slowly, very slowly, tiptoed toward him.
0: All I have to do is just tap a little harder.
1: <laughs> I found a coil of wire in the toolkit and fastened him to a stanchion in the center of the room. Louis was of no help. He lay on his side, looking at his bloody hand, weak and sick as a baby. So, there I was, a lunatic and a coward for company. And all about? Watching our little drama, The Rats. The day dragged by. The supply boat wasn't due for another twelve days. I don't know what they could have done if they had come. We had only one way of summoning them, and that was to shoot off for the stress rockets. For the rockets were four floors below. Even if they'd been right there in the gallery, I couldn't have opened the window to fire them. The following day... We lay thirst-tormented, starving, waiting, and waiting. And the following night, I again tended the light with the small supply of spare wicking. We kept in the gallery, had become exhausted, and quite suddenly, about midnight, the light went out. Nothing I could do. Nothing. below. It had grown quiet. They cleaned us out, and now they, too, were waiting, all waiting. And then the rats, quite suddenly, were silent. And then I heard it, and then I saw the sky and the stars. The rats were gone. I went to the glass. Out there in the water, a small freighter, a banana boat, showing a few lights, came softly and innocently at him. The light was out. They didn't know. I wanted to open the windows and call out to them, to warn them somehow, but I was afraid. What if, what if the rats were hiding from me, tricking me? So I waited. She grounded very softly on the reef, not 200 yards from the quay. Grounded so gently that the man playing the cornet didn't even stop playing. They tried washing her back off. I, I could have told them to save their fuel. The tide was rising. Would have floated her free. And I waited. That's all. That's the story. The sun came up, and there wasn't a rat on the whole key. Every last one of that terrible army had left us. Gone back to sea. On their new ship. August. Insane asylum. (laughs) He never recovered. Louis? Oh, they took him into Cayenne, where he died of blood poisoning from his bite. Life in the lights isn't bad. Sometimes when I see a strange vessel approaching, I get a little nervous, sure. Somewhere on the seas, a little banana boat without a crew. That is, without a human crew.
0: Three Skeleton Key was produced by Radio on the Lake Theatre. Jean was played by McGregor Arney, Louis was played by Zachary James Myers, and Auguste was played by Eric Rodriguez. The resident director of Radio on the Lake Presents is Zachary James Myers, and the artistic director and sound effects producer is John Watts. Join us next week for The Killers. I'm Caroline Brader-Watts. Thanks for listening.